Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hello and welcome to today's episode um, for the Psychology of Case Management podcast. I'm Dr. Shabnam Berry Khan. And today we are going to be thinking a little bit about being a case manager, what that looks like, um, what that uh, means, how we do that well. And we have Ali McNamara, who is a case manager who runs AJ Case Management, talking to us today about her journey into case management and um, what she feels makes a case management company work well. So welcome, Ali McNamara. Thank you, Shabnam. Thanks for the, the um, introduction. Ah, not at all. Um, thanks for being here. It's really great because I know you're a busy person. So uh, I appreciate you, you coming in to talk to us. So the first thing I like to ask people is, how did you get to know about case management? And what is it about case management that made you do it and then to be where you are today? So a little bit about Ali and, and your, your background. Oh, I'll tell you this story then. So, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been a physio since 92, qualified when I was quite young, actually 20. Um, mm. So I've had a very sensible kind of life, 17, you know, started working down in, in Dudley in the Midlands, moved from Scotland in 92, and then um, decided to have this midlife crisis at about 29. Um, <laughs> I've been so sensible and headed off to Spain for 18 months. Mm. Came back after 18 months and moved to Sunderland for some reason. You know, that's when I actually saw an advert in, in the paper. I was working in, in rehab physio and the advert said, looking for case managers from OT, nursing and social work backgrounds or similar. And I thought, I'm similar. I'm a physio. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I looked at it. I thought, well, I'll apply for this job. And I don't know, you know, how many physios are there. But back in that day, we used to have one computer, no printer. And, um, you know, IT was not our go-to strength. So I had to produce a PowerPoint presentation to get this job. And, you know, it overwhelmed me. Um, So I went back to good old-fashioned poster presentation and somehow managed to get my first job in case management up in the North East. And absolutely loved it. I I was employed as an employed case manager at that time. I loved it. Um, And they didn't, they failed to ask the question, like, can you actually work a computer? <laughs> Which quickly, quickly realised, yeah, it wasn't, again, a, a strength of mine. But I've come a long way, a long way since then. Living up in the northeast, you know, not to offend anybody, was not for me. It is the coldest place that, you know, you could live. Bitter. Hang on, but you're from Scotland. <laughs> Honestly, the northeast, bitter, bitter winds uh, all blowing in. Different and kind after, of cold. <laughs> absolutely. I was like, after a year, I was like, I can't, I can't live here. Moved back to the Midlands and um, again saw a job advertised because once you start seeing them, you, you really do start mm-hmm. seeing a job. And it was for an associate role um, back in the Midlands. And again, applied for that and had a bit more skill by then and managed to get um, an associate role for that company uh, and kind of spent eight years working as an associate um, and kind of became more of a lead case manager doing supervision, etc. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was it too. Kind of over that period of time, I had a good experience of being employed, learned lots, lots of information, lots of supervision, and then actually moved into that kind of more autonomous role of being a, a self-employed case manager, which worked for me. To be honest, I much preferred that kind of self-employed model because I'd already been working as a physio for 10 years. So I was you know, quite skilled. It was just the kind of bits of case management that really needed to come together. Yeah, no, gosh, what a varied journey. I did not know that. Thanks for sharing it. <laughs> and when you when you joined as a as a case manager, did you did you have a particular sort of niche or specialism? Or I mean, I know obviously you you kind of did it as a sort of almost slightly experimentally, but did you have you now developed a sort of niche or a specialism? You, I always say to the case managers that come to me, you will start with your niche. You know, so if you're nursing, you're going to kind of work, want, want to work in the kind of, you know, care aspect of case management. Um, and mm-hmm. you, nobody will ever come with a full package, will they? You know, you know, no case manager, if you've not done it before, will come with everything. So it's about identifying where you want to develop. Um, obviously, I was kind of neuro rehab. I was community based, um, working within you know clients with brain injury and spinal cord injury. Um, mm-hmm. And again, 
you know, a, a story here was that I was kind of wanting to do a mix of spinal injury work and brain injury work. And I was going for meeting greets for spinal injury clients in the Midlands and, and coming away and never getting them. And I was thinking, why am I not, what am I doing wrong? But then it translates that there was a case manager who was uh, married to a spinal injury client who obviously when she kind of went and did a meeting and greet had far more, you know, information to tell the clients. And right. that was kind of like, that's why I'm not getting my spinal injury work. So moved, you know, fully into to brain injury work. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, predominantly my interest is brain injury. I'm very interested in the transition from rehab into the community, that big piece of work mm-hmm. where you're taking somebody through that acute rehab but then all the planning, if they're moving into their own homes, recruitment of a support team, accommodation, you know, that, yeah. that long-term planning side of it is what I'm kind of very passionate yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, now I can hear that. And, and do you feel that, was that ever, that kind of passion and in your interest and in your sort of niche and specialism, did you feel that that was easier to do then as an associate? Because you, you mentioned earlier that um, an employed sort of case management position didn't feel as fulfilling as a as the associate sort of model. And I'm just curious as to why that was. Why was it that the associate model fit you better? The associate model works well, I think, because you are choosing what clients you want to work with. Well, obviously, mm. when you're employed and you've got a caseload to build up from that employed point of view, you may not have such a say in the type of clients that mm. you feel you know, more able to support. And also that kind of, you know, to be a case manager, we all know how flexible you need to be. So case management isn't actually nine to five, is it? Um, no. You know, and I, you know, again, I would say when I was employed, I remember having to work um, till about half nine, ten o'clock at night. And the boss at the time saying to me, have oh, you worked late today? I'll see you, you know, at half nine tomorrow. And as a physio, I was like, well, I'm sure I've worked, you know, four extra hours. So not having that control mm. over, you know, how my working day or my working week looked. Didn't, yeah. didn't sit for me whereas as a case manager who's associating self-employed you know if I do a long day on a, a Wednesday and it's a lovely sunny afternoon on a Friday then I just block my diary out and I take my time back as I want to it's my business so therefore yeah. I can take my time back you know as long as my clients are looked after yeah um, so that autonomy and that kind of being my own boss you know mm. you know I think you know definitely suited me a lot better. yeah it's interesting actually I hadn't really fully appreciated that being an associate is a business in its own right actually well totally and I think you know as I was associating um actually my partner um got into a position where she could provide me with a kind of um PA type support so even as an associate before I set up AJ Jan and I were working together within the business of our associate business you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, I think, you know, I, I do say this and, you know, working as an associate came with a lot of enjoyment because it comes with not quite so much stress as running mm. your own business. Yeah, okay, I can see that um, having been an associate, never been an employed case manager, but um, an associate and now, you know, kind of doing what I'm doing. I absolutely, you know, with SBK case management, it's, it really it is a different kettle of fish and life did seem a lot less stressful on a case, you know, in the main as an associate. Um, but I can see, I can see how, I don't know, there's something about values, there's something about kind of knowing who you are and what works for you. And, you know, you've, you've talked about kind of liking to be in control of your own destiny, if you like, and, you know, having flexibility within that schedule and, you know, resources that you have control over, et cetera, which is much more lends itself. You can see how that lends itself better to an associate model. But, but not everyone would necessarily want that. So, you know, the mindset feels like it, it's crucial here and, and that kind of, you know, knowing what your mindset is and, and being OK with that, because you could be a very good employed case manager, could be a very good associate. Either way, if it's working for you and it fits with who you are and who, what you know of yourself, then um, crack the heck on, I say. Well, that's it. I always, when, when people approach me for associate roles, you know, and if they haven't been in case management before, I always have that conversation is there are different models. Right. There's employed models and there's mm. associate models, you know, go and have a look at them to make sure, you know, it works for you. Because, you know, the hardest part of being an associate is to, to transition from being typically employed in the NHS to then mm. moving into a self-employed role. So it isn't for everybody, you know, no. there's, there's lots of benefits of being employed where you get the training, you get your holidays, etc. So there's yeah, there, there's a whole skill in being 
an associate, you are self-employed. You have to, you know, be able to, um, you know, put your taxes away and think about, you know, when you're not on holiday, you're not earning. So what makes sure mm-hmm. that you're budgeting for the year, not just budgeting month in and month out. So it's a very different mindset. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And so did you say that AJ Case Management, your company, you know, employs and has self-employed associates um, no. under its umbrella or... No, so we work purely on an associate model. Okay, so all all sure. our case managers are associates. We have an in-house employed team, you know, because we ah, see okay. QC registered. Right, so we right. have, you know, the, the kind of office manager, we have the operations manager, you know, so much goes on, as you know, behind mm. the scenes. And we kind of want to make the case manager's life as easy as possible, um, yeah. which I think, you know, on the whole we do. But actually, you know, the processes, the systems, you know, running a business behind the scene comes with, you know, a lot of planning and organising. And then also being CQC registered, you know, we've got a lot of compliance responsibility. So we'll have people in employed roles for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So your main office is employed, but your associate case, your case managers are associates. Got it. Got it. You've been doing AJ case management for a, a while now. Well, you said you left the your associate position about ten years, eight, ten years ago, something like this. Is that right? Yeah. So, well, two thousand and thirteen, John and I set up AJ. Right. So we'd been, so we'd been in the, I'd been in the industry since two thousand and four. So you know, ten mm. years, kind of nearly ten years experience within case management, and I kind of got to the stage where, um, you know, I had ideas around what I wanted the service to look like. And that's kind of where AJ came from. It was kind of, I think, after 10 years, um, you know, CQC stuff was, get, you know, two, 2004 companies were registering. And I'm, I was really interested in the compliance side. And, mm. you know, I think I say now, I think I'm a very frustrated nurse. <laughs> you know, I love the health and social <laughs> care side of it. You know, yeah. and that quality of care, you know, that AJ is built around um, CQC because we, 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 we were established in 2013 January but we were registered in the kind of summertime of 2013 it was one of the first things that I focused oh, on wow that's very forward thinking of you I have to say um, yeah but safety you know it was about <laughs> safety and, and I've learned so and I say I've learned so much you know and you know, mm. from the health and social care sector and that's kind of how the business was was evolving really around kind of good compliance yeah. Well, I mean, it's really interesting because what you're saying is that it wasn't part of your business model necessarily at that time. It was just because it was the right thing to do. It felt it. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, I mean, we, can, we don't need to go to the history of case management, but, no. you know, <laughs> it, it early days, you know, there, there wasn't the governance because it was a new thing. And then as as the companies, you know, the bigger companies started to kind of develop more and more vulnerable people were kind of, you know, more clinical people were kind of able to go and live in their own homes which was great Mm. we needed to get we need to get the balance right about you know living in your own home but also having safe care at the end of the day yeah yeah and was your specialism even then linked to your special as an organization linked to your specialism that you discovered in yourself as a case manager that actually it looks like brain injuries where it's at yeah no definitely brain injury is you know we obviously I feel I feel brain injury work you know, adds a level of complexity with regards to if somebody has capacity issues, you know, the rehab issues. But we do get involved with, you know, people who have got complex orthopedic injuries and, and spinal injuries. But I do think each mm. area, you know, like you say, do fall into a specialism. You know, there's some mm. really um, well-established specialist spinal injury case managers that, you know, yeah. who would probably do a whole training session around their skill in that area. But certainly brain injuries is kind of our, our strength. Yeah, no, that's great. And so how, so it's been eight-ish years, just over eight years by my calculation. Um, how long did it take you, Did you would you say, if indeed you can say that, uh, that you got to a position of kind of feeling comfortable with starting this machine, <laughs> building this machine, starting it up and kind of feeling like you're confident with it, that it's doing it, it, it what, you know, what you want it to, to be doing. And yeah, I guess that's an evolving, you know, point. So maybe as an impossible question. <laughs> well, you know, the first few years, you know, are, are, it's, it's just, you know, you, if you think back, think, gosh, you know, how did I, how did we do that? You know, because you're, you're working clinically, because most of us yeah. will still work clinically as case managers, as well as yeah. have the business. 
Then you've got things like you've never done before, like your web page design and your logo, oh, gosh, yes. you know. Yeah. And then on top of that, you then, you know, certainly for CQC, then you're thinking policies and processes. And, you know, that I, I always say, you know, the first five years were just a full-on adrenaline rush. Mm. And, and maybe by five years for us, things were starting to just calm down. And that's really as the business grew, you start to get the kind of, operational support you know bringing mm-hmm. in people that can actually take that some of that responsibility away yeah. from it never it never goes you know I think as a as a business owner I'm always the decision maker ultimately obviously that's where it lands with me but mm-hmm. when you can then develop a team you know our, our team is so our in-house team is so important to us and it's it's almost like a flat structure everybody everybody's ideas are relevant mm. I feel like everyone's ideas is relevant is almost a tagline to your business because it's it, one thing that I feel like I've picked up about, about how you've chosen to run AJ Case Management is not just about being, I guess, robust compliance wise and doing the right thing and being able to evidence doing the right thing. You know, you've, you know I don't think you're apologetic and more, I don't think you should be about kind of thinking about this as a business that that is not just benefiting those who are doing the bit, the work, but also it's good for the clients. If they're getting a good thing for you, you may, you need to make sure that you're going to be around for a while to ensure that that goodness stays around for as long as it needs to for those particular clients. And I suppose the other thing is that there's a real theme of um, thinking about your team, the people who work with you, they are, you, you place a lot of value on them and a lot of respect and I'm not, you know, I'm not not meaning to sound like, wow, that's amazing. Like no one's ever done that before, but I just mean like you, you managed to somehow pull it together. And it makes me think about um, the sort of well-being element of the work we do and how that's almost built into the structure of what you do uh, or what you've set up rather. I would never have thought of myself being an employer. You know, if you'd said to me 15 years ago, I was an employee so now becoming that employer, you know, what responsibility it, it comes with, you know, you're responsible for that client, that family, that, you know, employees, you know, life. Mm. And I, I know I'm, I'm always very clear about, you know, this is a job, you know, mm. and it's, it's a job is about making money to live a life. And I want people to come to work, do a good job. And then, you know, go home on time. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think, mm. you know, I don't have no value in, you know, people trying to impress each other by doing long hours, etc. I think come in, work hard. Um, and I think early days, you know, when we had some of the new um, in-house team come, it, you know, they're used to emptying their entry. And that was the mm. big thing we had. It's like, I can't go home until my entry is empty. Mm. And I was like, guys, your entry will never be empty. You know, so yeah. you, you need to come to terms with that. You need to learn how to manage your time how to prioritise stuff, you know, and that actually can be such a a shock to a lot of the the in-house kind of staff that have come from an admin background because they're used to coming in, very task, and then it's finished and move Mm -hmm. on. You know, that's not case management, is it? You know, because, you know, our our admin team are dealing with client issues. They're always moving forward with processes. And I think, you know, we've got Sharon in our team who's absolutely brilliant and she came over to us five years ago actually I think that's maybe when things got easier she's totally process driven yeah Um, and that's what I learned is as a therapist I've got a a way of thinking Mm. not necessarily processy I kind of think as therapists we know how to get to the end really quickly and then bits in the middle we might be inclined to miss out (laughs) whereas with Sharon um, Sharon's mindset is about okay you want to do this well the steps before that look like this and this is what we're going to, and then the, the offshoots of what you're suggesting is going to be like this. So having somebody with that kind of process, mine made, has made a massive difference to, to our team. Yeah. But, I, you know, back to the welfare side of it is, you know, I just think everybody, everybody must be encouraged to, you know, this could be done differently, that could be done differently and, and feel that that conversation can happen. Yeah. And I think, and I think you can't have those conversations unless you are feeling safe and uh, supported, and um, that you've got things like good supervision in place. That you allow permission for that possibility that case management could be an exhausting job to to be doing. And that's okay to say that we want to obviously avoid that, 
we know where we don't want to go, but in order to kind of keep on the track of where we do want to go, which allows for that innovation, allows for that, I don't know, sharing of knowledge and, and thinking about that fulfillment and joy and all those kind of lovely things that we all you know, strive for. You, you can't really do that without thinking about the holistic sense of well-being. And I think you've got that down quite well. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, being an associate model does help because <clears throat> people can pick mm. and choose, you know, how much work they want to do. And yep. again, the conversation we all have with people is if maybe there's a client that's been discharged and their caseload's down a little bit, we go, you know, what's coming up? Do you think, you know, you're going to have a, a, a you know, a, a big piece of work around recruitment? Well, you're better to be a little bit too quiet than absolutely overwhelmed. So that would be my advice to my case managers. Um, mm. You know, you don't need to be working full on, busy, busy, because some, you know, our, our jobs are that type of, not crisis, but, you know, things will happen that aren't quite, you know, able to put into a box. It's going to take this amount of hours. It kind of escalates. So I think making wise decisions about your, your, your working week is really yeah. important. And again, I've also, you know, when I went into case management, I was like, this is my career. You know, I don't want to come in and just do a few years, burn out and go back to physioing. You know, I've done it for 17 years now. This is, I am a case manager, you know, more than I am a physio. Which is, yeah. It's my career, but, you know, it's a, it's case management is a job that is, you know, full on. You know, we all know that if you're case manager, it's full on. You have to be responsive. You know, we don't just sit on things. We have to be forward planning. You know, you don't really have a day where you just cruise through a case management day. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can hear that. And, and I think that's a really important sort of tip, really, that you don't want to be uh, working to full capacity in some ways. You kind of probably want to, I mean, I'm just going to put a number on it, something like 80%, 90% or no, probably 80% actually, because then when things happen in, uh, you know, for some of our cases or even in your own personal life, you want to be able to accommodate that somehow. I don't know, 80% feels right for me, um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you can quantify it at all. Yeah, I think it's a good way to think about it because it is, it's, you know, a lot of our job is thinking. And again, I explain yeah. that a lot to new kids when just coming in, you know, you're, you're driving up the motorway to see somebody else, but you're thinking about, you know, the other, you know, the client that's got yeah. something else going in. So, yeah, you know, if you're constantly working at 90% plus, that time mm. just to think isn't there. And, you know, I always think that, you know, that, you know, the image of the, the, the guy with his, his head, you know, in his hand, it's like we are thinkers, yeah. you know, that's yeah. what we're paid for. We're trying to think ahead. We're trying to think of all the eventualities and you need to have the energy to think yeah. to yeah. do this job. Yeah. Well, yeah, indeed, processing, you know, sort of from a psychological perspective is exactly what helps us file away what we need to file away in our minds and allow us to prioritize what needs prioritizing without without um, feeling like we're dropping the ball in any way um, and to, to clear up all the you know the space after really um, hoover it all up or whatever and I think you know because I think there is an element when you when coming back to the idea of well-being and, and how a business is structured and set up in the way that you have done it, there is some acknowledgement within that, maybe implicitly so, that with the work being the way it is, you know, we are faced constantly by people's traumas, their sadnesses and their the, the experiences of life that they have had, which have not left them in a good place necessarily, certainly not initially, and our job is to help them live as close a life to, to that that they would have had, had it not been for what happened to them. We, we naturally, as humans and humans who've chosen to work in the care and, care and health industry, you know, we are naturally going to be prone to uh, that sense of vicarious trauma or secondary trauma, um, even if we um, may not recognise it, but the heaviness of the content of the work we do will stay with us as well. So even if crises don't happen with our clients, uh, they will, by the way, one day, or crises don't happen in our own lives, uh, by, but they will one day. You know, every day we are accumulating this sort of experience of the world, which is a reminder of the place that it, it could be for any one of us, because we know personal injury doesn't discriminate in any way, shape or form. 
and uh, it's it's just the human in all of us that um, that is going to get sparked up by what has happened to our clients. It's a good point. A couple of years ago, Shavin, we did some PTSD work and we had some oh, legal yeah. psychologists come in and actually it was with some um, legal firm. Mm. And we were chatting about um, the impact of, you know, we were learning about PTSD, we were getting trained on it, but also kind of looking at us as, as people and, you know, one of the examples we, we were given was, you know, the legal firm send their, um, ex, you know, reports over to nighttime typists. And like mm. what they were reading and what we were actually saying is, you know, they we don't know what they're, you know, why they work nights, but what their life is like. You know, it's just a very no no face contact of somebody. And actually some of the information that they're reading, you know, bereavements and trauma, etc. Yeah. we were kind of saying, well, what's the impact? You know, and, and it's not, you know, so clinically we might be a little bit more robust. But when, you know, one of my admin staff pick the phone up and, and speak to somebody, actually, they've not necessarily got the same experiences. Yeah, um, and that's right. Like, you know, saying actually, you know, it's it's impacting on lots of different aspects of you know the industry really. But you know, if you think you're a business, what you know, what are your um, you know, my compliance team, what are they being exposed to? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. And then how are you supporting that? Because what I can deal with is maybe not what Joe Bloggs can deal with, and it is yeah. like you said, it's back to that. You know, we we need to be realistic about looking after the you know the the people that. Are working with us because you know the experiences some of our clients are very traumatic to to think about isn't it indeed and I think I think that's a, that's an interesting point as well because we as clinicians have supervision and that comes in all sorts of different ways you know you would have that in a different way as a physio as you would to a case manager as I would to a, as a psychologist um, but our clerical teams and our sort of admin support teams don't have access to that supervision and yet they are exposed to some pretty traumatic material, even if it's not, like you say, in a face-to-face way. We, you know, you can read a book and feel the emotion of reading that book. How is it any different from reading a report and thinking, gosh, this is a real person? This that's actually is really happening to them. That's it, you know, because we are, you know, our, we've got admin staff writing up our reports and, and, and formatting mm. them, reading them. And like, you know, so we could have an admin staff go through five reports in a day. So, yeah. yeah, you know, well, what, what, what are they? What are they feeling when they're reading yeah. these reports? Yeah. So how do you, how, how do you sort of instill that theme, that important theme of, of well-being in, in AJ case management? What, what are the sort of uh, techniques or, or strategies that you use? You know, um, I remember kind of um, in my associate role, um, which was great, but like, you know, we'd get to the office occasionally, you know, you'd go down for supervision. And it was very much a business model where, you know, you came in and you saw your supervisor and, you know, you might not have seen anybody for for, for weeks, um, mm. but the admin staff were busy and they weren't really allowed to talk to you. You know, so part of my remit is like, gosh, when our, ad, when our case managers come in, you know, let's stop. Not everybody, but at least one person stop, have a coffee, have a bit of cake, have a chat. Yeah. You know, actually, the case managers are working in isolation. It's, it's a lonely world. So, you know, yeah. if they've taken the time to come into the offices, then let's welcome. If this, we have a very much customer service, you know, let's welcome yeah. our customers in. Let's look after them. You know, when you come into AJ, let's feel everybody kind of does say, you know, it feels warm. It's friendly. There is laughter. We are laughing hysterically um, mm. sometimes. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously, um, you know, actually, I think I've always instilled into the team because I've case managed going, you know, if you're asking, as an example, if you're asking a compliance team and asking for X, Y and Z from the case managers, I'll say, well, you know, you've got to understand everything else they're dealing with. Uh, and, you know, they might have a lot of litigation stuff going on and might have a really urgent report. So, you know, you've got to kind of put yourself in the case manager's shoes to understand it, how you don't do your job in isolation. And I think mm. we've instilled that really well into the in-house team where they actually, you know, it takes a little bit of time. They think, yeah, I really understand the kind of the pressures that the case managers are under. I think, you know, historically, people used to think maybe we do a lot of driving around drinking cups of tea. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but actually what we're dealing with is, is far more stressful. Um, mm. So I think, you know, kind of getting each other to, and then sitting back at the same as with the, the um, case manager team, you know, the admin team have got responsibilities and time frames. So it's kind of just being clear about each other's, you know, role and how we do our jobs, you know, and, and you know, help each other. Uh, be, you know, nothing doesn't cost anything to be polite. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, that's it. And I think customer service, it's a, it's a funny word to use in a way, but I, or phrase to use in a way, but I, I, to, I use it all the time as well. So it's interesting to hear you say it because that softness, that human connection element that is again, built into your communication style. And, and I suppose um, you might say business model or business plan is what people kind of want. You know, there, there are a lot of case managers um, and we are going to relate to our clients in different ways and in our referrers in different ways, but how you offer that and the package in which you offer that gift of case management or skill set, you know, to your referrers and to your clients matters. It does. I remember I was um, advised by a solicitor, like, you know, who we don't do any work with, was basically going, if I email you, everything's okay. If I ring you, I'm going to be shouting at you. And I, mm. and I did think, you know what, I don't need to be shouted at. And I don't need my case managers to be shouted at, actually, because, again, we're dealing with lots of stress. So I thought if that's mm. the starting point of our working relationship, it doesn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. you know and you're telling me that's how your approach is you know I'm going to shout at you but that's you know okay people things happen people can get you know agitated but if your outset is this is how I'm going to deal with you but well no it doesn't work for us as a business because yeah. you know I my job is to look after case managers and I don't want them you know feeling that that is going to be you know the phone's ringing and that sense of dread of yes. what have I done wrong <laughs> yeah 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 no I hear you but that's a lot for then you as a director, as a, a business owner to take on as well. So how do you, what is it about your structure and what, what do you do to kind of keep yourself sane? Because obviously you are the A of AJ case management. Yeah. Um, in fact, you are the, the clinical, like you say, the clinical branch where Jan is the, you know, the behind the scenes sort of uh, d- director, I suppose. And I'm just thinking, how is it that you kind of look after yourself in all of this? And how do you keep yourself strong and going? You know, it's interesting, um, you know, because Jan and I obviously run the business together and Jan is, you know, business finance and I'm clinical. So people always say to me, how do you you know, work together and, and, and live together? But mm. I say, you know what, each other's jobs bore each bore us. So like if Jan starts talking about <laughs> finance, I'm just like, oh, it's so boring. And we don't talk about it. And if I start getting into too much kind of, you know, clinical stuff, Jan, it doesn't appeal to Jan. So it actually works mm. really well because when we're working, we're working. And then when we're at home, you know, and we're not working, we're not actually massively wanting to chat to each other about what, what you've done that day. It's just, mm. just, just let it, let, let it happen. So I think, you know, it, it, I say after five years, first five years is full on, but actually after kind of five years, it's like go in, do the job and I deal with, you know, the clinical stuff. I kind of maybe take calls out of hours I'm on call, but certainly mm. Jan's in that position where she come in, do her job, finish, you know, and then, then the rest of the, you know, like normal jobs at like the rest of the evening or weekends are, are before us and I just think that's really important that you know you when you're ready I mean it doesn't it won't happen straight away because running a business is full on but when you mm. can get to that stage where you know you can switch off and go and do the various things that you enjoy you know um, yeah. you can't you know you don't you don't want to be living case management 24 7 because it's not good for you is it no it's not I mean it's you know one of my uh, favorite phrases is you know you're in it for the long haul or um, it's all about sustainability uh, and I think that's kind of what you're saying as well that it's a balance because your life is um, made up of course of work but it's also made up of everything else that you have in your life like being a partner like being a friend, you know, other other family relationships and roles that you might have, hobbies, interests, just, I don't know, you might have a thing about wanting to look after, you know, wanting to, I don't know, be a bit more into your physical health or something, I don't know, and just never finding the time and just being really resentful about that. Um, so I think running your own business isn't, it's, you know, it's it's a bit of a boring topic. So in the sense of saying, you know, we're we're passionate about running our own businesses, but if then you take that into your social life, people yeah. who don't run their own businesses, if you know, if you're in an education or the NHS and you've got a very different job, people do really struggle with what it is to be, you know, mm. on call twenty four seven. You know, I can remember early days having a conversation going, you know, we haven't had a holiday for two years, and then somebody saying, "But that's your choice. You set up a business." And I thought, well, it, it, you know, and I spoke to somebody. I spoke to a, a, a business kind of coach about that, and he went, "People just don't understand the pressures you you do face if they've never mm. done it." Yeah, yeah. I think there is a. a an unfair perception or an unrealistic perception that it is 
fun and games. Um, so I would totally agree with that. But I mean, you've done very well, I would say, for yourself in terms of setting up something that that has a role that has a, a function. It's here to stay. You've got a vision. That feels like a very important word that I, I applies to what you've done. You know, you're about the people, not just the people you serve, but the people that you have in your outfit. You, you hold yourself in mind. There is, I guess what, what this is maybe all about is that you know who you are and you know what makes you tick and you know what makes you not tick. And you want to kind of stick to the side that makes you tick. And gives you that sense of passion and enjoyment and excitement to wake up in the morning and go, right, okay, here we go. Obviously, that's not every single day. But if you can say, like, coming back to that 80% thing, 80% of your, um, you know, your, your time in case management has been pretty all right, actually, now, as things settle, obviously, maybe not. If we'd had this conversation five years ago, uh, it might be a different, uh, you know, outcome. But um, there is something about knowing who you are, being okay about that, and then working on that basis, because that is your authenticity, that's your integrity, that's your your values, and that is what everything is going to be strongly based on. And if that is a strong understanding uh, and a consistent understanding of who you are, then you're, you're going to be flying. You know, I just love case managing, you know, I, I love, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, you know, if you looked at my CV pre-case management as a physio, you know, I got bored in the jobs mm. I was doing, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it didn't challenge me. Whereas, you know, I can promise you that every day case management challenges me. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It, it is, it, you know, it is. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not renowned for being a adrenaline junkie. I'm, I'm renowned for being a risk assessor. You know, everybody knows me. <laughs> she's off risk assessing again. But generally, as a case manager, it's, it is just all encompassing you're learning you know there's I can remember my previous role and I'd ask the the director a question and she'd say oh I don't know Ali I've never come across that and I kind of think well how come after 20 years but I now know that Mm. well I haven't I haven't seen that before guys you know that'll be it and I I say it and I haven't seen that before guys let's you know let's work it out so we're seeing new things experiences you know all of the time aren't we you know you all know that it's like it's just a constant kind of what's going to happen next um, yeah and it's never you know I if uh, you know I think if you'd spoke to some people um you know in my circle kind of work-wise could you see Ali doing the same job for 17 years they would have said no way whereas 17 Mm. years in I still you know I'm still buzzing about case management and what what we do yeah, amazing, still amazing. Ex- still explaining it a lot of the time, but, you know, definitely not as much as we're used to. But, no, I just think, you know, what we do, what the opportunities we have and what we do is, you know, is, and it's, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, it's like privilege, but I just love kind of what, what we're able to do within the skills that we've we've all got. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've previously talked about how this is quite an exciting time for case managers, case management at the moment. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's generally a sense of um, work out there. Um, and so, you know, kind of, and how we're shaping ourselves into a field that is fairly young in many ways and fairly, uh, well, you know, ill-defined currently in and I don't mean that we don't know what we're doing, but I just mean in terms of we are still working out how to make um, how to make some some sense of uh, structure around what we do as case managers. Um, you know, we've got our different niches as we've spoken about, and and we and we all know that we've got Babakim and CMS UK and and uh, other organisations that are sort of coming together to pull into something that's a bit more robust, so we can have an identity. But um, in the meantime. You can be pretty creative with case management as long as you've got an understanding of what is important to you, that what what kind of uh, like a, a, a sort of inbuilt almost code of conduct. Um, and, and it's quite an exciting time, therefore. I think, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I always kind of give credit to the people before us because how these guys, you know, set up case management in this country back in the day is, is amazing, you know, because, mm. you know, they, they had no structure and they, they had to come up with what we've got really today um, yeah. you know, with the Babacom structure. So I kind of think, you know, wow, how did you do that from kind of a blank canvas? We're, we've not got that blank canvas now, which is good. You know, we've mm. got CQC, which I think is really, you know, important aspect of what case management needs to move forwards with. Mm. But then, you know, we need, yeah, like you say, we need to look at 
you know, you know, you come with a skill set, you know, you come with a psychology skill set and case management. That's really important. I come with a probably, you know, forget physio, but a compliance skill set and case management. But I think, you know, yes, there's opportunities to evolve businesses, which mm. are case management businesses, but actually become that more specialist. You know, you chatted earlier about what's your specialism. I think that is kind of where we're going. It's kind of really mm. homing down into specialisms. You know, there are some excellent companies, I said earlier, doing spinal injury work, and that's what they're good at and that's what they're comfortable with. And, you know, that that's great, I think. So I think you're right. It's, it's a kind of opportunity to look at what, what you can bring as a case manager. And I always think, yeah, do something different from, from everybody else and, yeah. you know, move your business forwards. Yeah, yeah. So what would your top, say, two or three top tips be for our listeners who, you know, are going to be a, a mixture, probably largely case managers, um, but, we, you know, we, we will have um, a th- a therapists and, and legal folk listening, I'm sure, as well. But what would you say your top three tips are in terms of, you know, what makes case management work well or what makes a, a sort of a case management company work well? Yeah, I think company-wise, you know, it's getting that, business plan in place and I do speak to lots of different business owners you know a lot of therapists who kind of come in set up their businesses and get busy really quite quickly Um, Mm. and actually you know within that 18 months they haven't had time to kind of look at their business what is what is it you know you need in your business to be safe like we said earlier we need to be safe we're looking after people who you know need care etc so I think definitely you know it, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily feel necessary at the time but mm. have that business plan written up um I, mm. same, I had to do a business plan early on because I needed a bit of cash from the bank um and I wrote that business plan and um, spent a long time on it and it's a kind of same business plan as I've always had I update it and review it you know because I'd spent such good time on it initially that mm. it got my ideas down you know and it, it, the business plan was my ideas it was not all necessarily about the finance it's like what is AJ you know who are we what are we going mm. to be so I think for me and I say that a lot I do say it to a lot of therapists and a lot of therapists say I'll definitely do it and then they see me you know six months later I go no I haven't had time and I kind of think you really need to make the time mm. so that's okay. one, one tip definitely that kind of um, moral compass I like to talk about you know do what's right <laughs> do mm. what's right you know and, and you know kind of you know if that if you haven't got the skills to to look after that client you know that you know solicitors are always asking us to, you know do say no and you'll get far better feedback from from the legal teams if you're saying this is not going to fit in with the the current team I have I always say as well you know my HCPC registration is my career you know one case is a is a job my career is my my qualification and my guidance will always take precedent over everything else. I will follow mm. my kind of professional guidance. And I think kind of what third third tip is, you know, it's that old, if you're running a business and, you know, we'll all have heard that kind of adage of, you know, turnover is vanity, profit, sanity, cash is king. And Jan <laughs> was always really keen that, you know, we had that contingency of money in the bank. Um, right. We are paying salaries, um, and you know I think COVID has taught all of us all of us that, isn't it? That you know the un, the unpredictable thing can happen, and you know I say Jan was always pushing us to have six months cash so that you know if anything really really did happen, that everybody's jobs were secure. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I think you know and that's from a business point of view, case management point of view. I just yeah, yeah I think just you know, your integrity. I always say it's about your integrity, your honesty. It's mm. not a particular profession. It's about the person that you are that may be a good case manager. Yeah. You know, genuine, yeah. honest, you know, that that is what we need to be. And, I, you know, if, if we're if we're facing going to court for um, a client's case, I guess it doesn't matter because all you're doing is telling the truth. You know, mm. the, whole, the whole job is about being honest. And I think, you know, never lose sight of that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's um, that's quite refreshing. Even though I think we probably all know it, we may not label it in that way. So that's that's really helpful. Brilliant. Thank you. Another sort of summary point might be something along the lines of, you can be a case, a good case manager, without running your own business. You know, or innovative and 
you know, to think about your needs and to be the best you can be with your clients. That felt like a very strong message that yeah, you were we, saying earlier. We talk about um, here, like career portfolio, you know, where you're mm. able to be your own boss, actually still be, I mean, I, you know, I love being my own boss and I've done it for 17 years. You know, I love the autonomy, um, but does that need to look like a whole big case management business or could that be you know some case management in your own right some associating with case managers maybe you might think well I don't want to become a CQC registered company which comes with lots of responsibilities so I'll do some case management that doesn't involve you know that regulatory activity but come and associate with companies like AJ or you know you guys and say actually you know part of my part of my working business will be associate as well so I think don't just get hung up on, you know, there's one business model. Obviously, there's lots of lots of different things you can do, you know, going back to being innovative about the business that you want to run. You know, yeah. what's the, and what, why are you doing that business? You know, that's, again, a conversation I had with a therapist recently. What What is your goal? You know, you're putting yourself through a lot of stress by trying to build an associate model. But actually, would you be better doing X, Y and Z? And, you know, she was took that on board and went off to have a, have a think about it. It's quite a high risk strategy in a way because people may choose then having thought about what they want and what is authentic to them that actually maybe that's not where they you know with with say SBK case management or whatever or, or AJ case management it's not where they want to be but in a way that's okay because then you are only going to have people who fit and that means that they're going to be the best you know it's going to it's going to be a mutual arrangement that that benefits all. <laughs> yeah, totally. We've got some brilliant associate case managers that have got their own, mm. you know, businesses, whether that's therapy, some case management. And it's that, you know, it's that mutual respect of each other and mm. that moral compass where, you know, they know that we're going to give them work. They know that, you know, we're going to give them the support they need. Um, so, you know, we're working together and, and, you know, if they get their own cases in their own right, that's absolutely fine. But if we kind of make a referral and it comes through us, then, you know, they associate through us. So, by just mm. being open and honest, um, I think it can work really well for, yeah. for, for, you know, for all of us, really. You know, mm. we're getting to work with some fantastic case managers that are really experienced. They know they're going to get paid by us at the end of the month. They're not having to chase invoicing, all the, the risks that come with it. Don't have to go and have a big web page to kind of advertise the services could come through us. But on the other side, they've also got a business that works for them as well, that they do their own marketing. So, you know, mm. there's lots of opportunities to think about. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like that was a plug for AJ Case Management, which you're very welcome to do. <laughs> so um, I know you have been recruiting and I, I, I think you said that you've come probably to the end of that journey for, for now. But and I know CQC is something that is very interesting. And like you say, you're a compliance person. That's, that's um, where many would say, Ugh, you would go, ooh. Um, and I know that you've put on LinkedIn, for example, recently, uh, a sort of question about whether there's an opportunity to sort of share that knowledge that people have or and, and ultimately to gain for their for their own benefits, you know, sort of CQC related experiences. Is that still something that you're looking to to run with yeah no definitely I mean you know if you spoke to me back in 2013 when I was registering with CQC you know just the letter letter C and Q and any sort of <laughs> sentence would send me grey um, mm. you know it wasn't really until my first inspection that we really understood kind of that what we were doing well we got good in that inspection and then now kind of at that stage thinking I, I really want to strive for outstanding and mm. you know that that confidence to talk to your CQC inspector does come eventually when you kind of you know get to the stage but there's a massive gap in I think particularly because because now we have to be CQC registered if you're doing you know a regulated activity my conversation with CQC is what about the, the the clients that have teams that haven't been CQC registered and have been together maybe for you know 10 years? You know, mm. where do they sit now? Because if they have to be with a registered company, but actually they've developed, you know, their own way of doing things and it seems good and it seems safe, but doesn't fall in quite with the regulated activity. Does that mean that they have to make massive changes or does that mean they have to be discharged from services? So I think there's quite a great area that we need to work as case managers mm. to kind of educate CQC about mm. clients that are able to pay for their own care, you know, who want to pay and can pay for their own care. Yeah. Um, and I think 
coming and I think you know I've, I've chatted to quite a few people now on this and it's like you know there are registered managers forums locally that we should attend but it's domiciliary care it's it's nursing home yeah. care and yeah. I think we need to start coming together as case managers so that we're actually being consistent in what CQC are saying to us and vice versa and um, mm. you know the funds and I know it's I know that's the thing is each area will have a different kind of inspection person yeah. but actually if I can say to you for example well this is what my inspector said and this is because I do x y and z and yours says something different at least we can then go and have a conversation with our inspectors and say can you can you go through this with me and can I explain my side of it and vice versa so I think you know again this kind of time of change is coming where we can really showcase some of the excellent work we all do um, yeah. in supporting people living in their own home who you know are achieving fantastic quality of life you know yeah yeah no brilliant well that I guess I guess that's uh, maybe a good point to wrap things up for today in terms of watch this space um you know with uh thank you so much Ali for sharing your journey and your wisdom and your ideas about what case management is what it's been for you and um what what you feel has made it work for you and, and to, to lend us your sort of reflections on that, but also to, to almost excite us about something that is, uh, again, innovative and helps us with the work we are ultimately trying to do collectively, uh, because there's still lots of work to do in that, on that front. And um, I think, you know, in some ways, it's, it's kind of all our responsibilities in different ways to inform that, you know, that, that future of case management. So. I uh, really appreciate you uh, yeah, talking to us today and, and helping us think a little bit around CQC and we will watch this space and who knows, maybe we'll have another podcast to, to share some of those ideas and um, innovations from, from conversations about CQC, et cetera. Um, but for now, thank you once more, Ali McNamara, AJ Case Management. Thank you, Shabnan. Uh, not at all. All right. And thank you all for listening. Um, we'll see you at, uh, well, we'll uh, catch up with you at the, at the next episode. Cheers for now. Bye. Before you go, if you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support. 